Praise the Lord for that. So I want to give you a heads up. Um, uh, so next Wednesday night, I'm going to be with the uh, Connect Group in Colorado, and uh, Brother Adam Slagle is going to be preaching for us on Wednesday night. He's going to do a great job. You say, well, how do you know? Well, be, because I don't ask guys to preach that I think are going to do a terrible job. And, I, and I, don't, I don't mean that arrogantly, but Brother Adam loves the Lord. He and his wife are a blessing, and uh, he, is, he is serious about his approach to the Word of God. And I'm excited about him to preach. And so just looking forward to him, uh, God being able to speak through him to our church family. So be here for that. And then, um, uh, again, I've already said this. I just want to make sure to emphasize it. Guests, thanks for being with us tonight. And uh, I, I enjoyed Brother Adam. Um, referencing at the beginning of the service, you might have some people that are out because of Sunday. <laughs> but praise the Lord for his mercy. And so if you're at home and you're sick, drink some extra chicken soup and uh, um, let us know how we can be a help <laughs> be a help to you. Um, and so Exodus, Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. Look at verse number 27. We're actually going to preach on chapter 4 and 5. We're not reading all of that. Exodus chapter 4, verse number 27. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the Mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And if you'll remember and how God had called to Moses out of the burning bush and how Moses was reluctant to obey God and, and just made excuse after excuse about why it wouldn't work or why he wouldn't be the right man for the job. And so finally, Moses surrenders to obey God and to go, and God told him he would send Aaron with him. And so God tells Aaron to go meet Moses, and Moses is communicating all of that. So then they show up in the land of Egypt in verse number 29. And in verse 30, Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. If you'll remember the sign of the rod and the sign of the leprous hand and those things that God had commanded Moses there at the burning bush. Notice verse 31, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. So in verse 1 of chapter 5, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And man, Pharaoh was pumped. Sweet. I have been waiting for the Lord to speak to me about his people. Go with my blessing. So we're skipping a lot. Verse 15, Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle. Ye are idle. Therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you. Ye sh yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case after it was said, Ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. 
And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. These are the leaders of the children of Israel, the representatives to Pharaoh. They've just left meeting with Pharaoh. That has not gone well. Now they run into Moses and Aaron. Verse 21, and they said unto them, the Lord look upon you and judge. Because ye have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Here's the title. When following God doesn't feel good. Uh, I want to remind you of this. In our lives, when we come to chapter 5, there will be a chapter 6. But we can't skip chapter 5. And there are times in life when following God feels everything but good. Father, I'm glad to be here. I just ask again that you would speak to your people. Let this be helpful. You know who needs what. So would you just help it to, to speak by the work of your Holy Spirit and by the power of your living word, would you help it to minister to exactly what's needed and to encourage exactly where it is needed and to convict, perhaps, exactly where it is needed in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. I'm so thankful for my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, uh, Daddy Jim and Mama Kay. They are a blessing. And not just because, thank you, they are a blessing. And, and not just because of the amazing daughter that they raised for me, um, but just because they're great people as well. And I'm thankful for them. But my father-in-law gets on my nerves and and since I'm the pastor here and he's not, then I'm using this. I don't, I, and I, I say this totally joking, but when I'm talking about him, it's completely a bully pulpit. And you should feel sorry for me because he's a lot bigger than me. And there have been times when he used that to his advantage in my life. And I, I don't feel like I deserved some of the things that happened to me. And, and so now I'm just, I'm just going to use these opportunities to get back at him. I, when I asked him for permission to talk about him tonight, he said, look, I grew up in a preacher's home, which he did. His father, a long time in ministry, and so thankful for that heritage. But he said, I, I grew up being made fun of, and so I can relate to how your kids feel, and now I have a son-in-law who's a pastor, so yeah, I'm used to it. Do whatever you need to do. Anyway, the other day, Jim and I were talking about a, a, a fictional story. It is fictional, but it's one that we've, we'd both heard, and, and it's a story where the bad guy wins. Now, let me just say, first of all, I don't understand the point of those kinds of stories. The bad guy wins. Why even waste the time writing it? What's the point? And so we're discussing it, my father-in-law, being the weirdo that he is. I'm just kidding. He goes, I actually like it. In my incredulous way, what's wrong with you? Why? What's What's the point? And this is his statement, and I still don't like it. I still don't agree with it. But he's actually telling the truth. You ready? Here's why he likes it. Or here's why he appreciates it. Maybe likes it. Is, it maybe likes it is too strong a way to say But here's why he appreciates it. And, and it's because in real life, sometimes the bad guy does seem to win, don't they? Sometimes they do. 
Man, didn't it feel so good on Sunday afternoon when it was raining and it was like 40 degrees and the wind was, wind was blowing and you're out there following your pastor's vision? <laughs> didn't that feel good? No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. It's a, look, for some of you, you're like, yeah. And others of you, you're like, you're a loser, yeah. Just because it didn't feel good doesn't mean it wasn't right. But the truth is, and by the way, that, I understand that not everybody was able to be there for legitimate reasons. That, that's not even the point. But you can do something that you're convinced is right. And, and here is the reality, in spite of all the fairy tales that you've heard, and in spite of uh, the way culture wants to train us, and even the way that that influence has infected Christianity, where if we do this and this, then it's just going to be easy, and it's going to be great, and everything that you want, and you dream of, and you desire, it's going to come true without any, any adversity. In spite of that thinking, and in spite of the way that it's infected Christianity and the preaching of churches to where the gospel and following Jesus Christ has become more about our prosperity than our faithfulness to him regardless of the consequences of it, there are times when we follow God and it's very, very difficult. That when we can do right and it hurts, there are times when following God does not feel good. As you know in this text, Moses and Aaron have been sent by God to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. And so they go and they meet the people, the elders of Israel, and and it's met with faith and it's met with optimism. I want to remind you of this in verse number 31. The people, they believed, they saw the signs, they heard how God had spoken to Moses And they believed God. God has sent you after hundreds of years, after these 400 years of praying and waiting for God to deliver us and fulfill the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, you are fulfilling that now. What an exciting moment that must have been for them. And they believed. And then they had a time of worshiping. And and they literally paused what they were doing. And they bowed their heads. And they, they simply had time to reverence God and to show gratitude for the fact that he was once again proving himself to be faithful in every generation. And so there had to be great anticipation and great excitement. And maybe they had a conversation with Moses and Aaron. What's next? Well, what's next is this. We go, and we're going to go meet with Pharaoh. And so Moses and Aaron go, and they meet with Pharaoh, and they communicate the message as God told them to communicate it. But rather than being met Rather than being met with cooperation, and Moses would have known or should have known that there was going to be adversity in this, instead, instead it's met with resistance. The, and, and please keep this in mind. It, it is impossible that the children of God make an effort to follow God and there not be resistance or adversity. There is going to be resistance to following God. Can I remind every man that took the time to go to men's advance and you came back with some focus and you came back with some intention to be deliberate and take initiative in your life, you are always going to be met with resistance. When you make any effort to try to follow God, there are going to be those areas where resistance comes. And it can come from any number of areas, but you're going to face resistance. And so Pharaoh, instead of helping them follow God, he makes life worse. Not only are you going to make the same quota of bricks, but now you are going to make the same quota of bricks without us providing you the materials. 
to make the bricks. What had been going on before wood was the Egyptians supplied the material. They mixed the material to make the bricks. Now Pharaoh says, because you're just being lazy and you're really trying to only, your only motive is to get out of work. Not only do you have to make the same quota of bricks, but you have to go and gather the material yourselves. And so it literally becomes a task where they're set up to fail. It becomes an impossible standard to meet. And the, the Egyptians begin to beat, literally beat the Israelites for failing to meet an impossible quota. And so they go to Pharaoh and they seek help, they seek mercy, and to no one's surprise, Pharaoh, whose heart is only hard throughout this narrative, he has a hard heart with them and shows no compassion or logical understanding, and he drives them out. And as they're leaving, they're defeated. Perhaps they're feeling the sting of the Egyptians' whips. They're feeling the hopelessness of the people that they represent. They're feeling all this weight. And and as they're leaving, meeting with Pharaoh, they encounter Moses and Aaron. And perhaps Moses and Aaron were standing there. And it seems to imply, the text seems, seems to imply that they were waiting in the way, wanting to know how things went. And so when they finish this meeting, two things happen. First of all, they begin to criticize Moses. And then Moses goes and complains to God. Notice in verse 21, the Lord look upon you and judge because ye have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. The people to Moses, you literally, Moses, you and Aaron brought this on us. You came up here with this idea that God was going to deliver us and then you went into Pharaoh and literally all you've done is equipped him with the means to make our lives more difficult and not just more difficult, but this is going to be the death of us. We are going to die from this pressure that we are facing. We're abhorred. We have no, whatever good standing we might have had in the eyes of Pharaoh, we have lost all of it. Moses, you and Aaron have made our lives, if they could get worse, you have made them infinitely more worse. And so then Moses goes to the Lord. Why are you doing this? In verse number 22, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. God, God. You told me you were sending me to deliver them from him. And yet since I've showed up, you haven't done anything to help anyone. Nothing good is happening. In fact, God, it's only getting worse. Let me give you two harsh realities. Number one, you can follow God and it not seem to be making any good difference in your life. You can know. I am following God. And yet there just seems to be hardship and difficulty and frustrations and trials. Here's another truth. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. When you're trying to be delivered from an adversary, when you're trying to overcome bondage, when you're trying to overcome a challenging season in your life, sometimes it can seem as though it's getting worse before it ever begins to improve at all so it's through this that we see two dangers that we can be susceptible to danger number one is this and again when i'm following god and i'm not getting the result that i had hoped for when i'm doing right and it seems like i'm only being met with resistance or adversity 
when I'm following God and instead of feeling good, it's hurting and it's challenging and I'm losing hope and I'm, my life is being filled with fr- frustration and it, and it seems like things are just getting more difficult. When I'm following God and it's going like that, here's two dangers. Number one, you can blame the wrong person for your difficulty. Okay, children of Israel, you ready? Moses, you and Aaron did this. Is that true? Not even a little bit. You know who was doing it? Pharaoh was the one who made their lives more difficult. Moses and Aaron were only there to help. And Moses and Aaron weren't there to help because they wanted to be there to help. Moses and Aaron were there to help because God wanted them to be there to help. And Moses and Aaron didn't go to Pharaoh with their own agenda. Moses and Aaron didn't go to Pharaoh with their own words. Moses and Pharaoh didn't go to Pharaoh with their own signs or their own plans. Everything that they did was representative of God and what he intended. And and yet things didn't improve. And Pharaoh used that to leverage against the children of Israel and to make their lives increasingly more difficult. And so they feel this pain. And because they just, please get this, because they just want the pain to stop, they lash out for someone to blame because of how bad it hurts. Let's be honest. Sometimes when things are bad in our lives, because we don't like how we feel, we just want someone to blame. And you know what ends up happening? We end up blaming the people that are actually trying to do the most to help us. Blame the wrong people. Sometimes blaming the wrong person can be this, can be blaming yourself. Now, I'm going to make a lot of application in this in just a minute, but please keep that in mind. Sometimes the, the people, the wrong people, we blame ourselves. You know, it's possible to raise all your kids the right way and one of them rebel against God. You're like, man, I've, I've completely failed as a parent. No, no, children have to choose to follow the Lord. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't evaluate your own life. I'm not saying you shouldn't take stock for how you've parented and how you've prioritized God in their lives and for how you've emulated Jesus Christ. But children can be raised the proper way as children and then make their own decisions later on and not do everything right. No, it, it is possible. You can blame yourself if you find yourself living in the aftermath of a broken relationship. But don't get quiet on me. Those things happen. Oh, no. I'm all about saving and helping marriages be saved. But not every one of them is going to be saved. Well, that's pessimistic. No, that's just human nature because not every, it takes two people to make a marriage work. And if two people aren't willing to follow Jesus Christ, then one person's going to follow him and one person's not going to follow him. And that's never going to end well. So one person who's trying to follow the Lord can begin to doubt themselves and question, maybe, maybe I failed in every possible way. And you can start to blame the, the wrong person. Second danger is this, you become hopeless. Can you hear the despair in Moses' voice? I, please imagine it. No, you were reluctant over here. God, God convinces you to go. You go. You come with. You see the response of God's people, and that increases your confidence. Then you go to Pharaoh, and the people of God are met with only greater burden. And now the people that you came to help are mad at you. Can I tell you that's a lonely place? When the people that God has called you to help become angry with you because of consequences that are completely out of your control. You minister and like, I, you are making this worse. And so Moses goes to God and, and he's literally asking this. 
why am I here? And he's not even, I, I love his spirit here. He's not even critical of Israel. He's, he's, and, and I don't know that he's mad at God. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying he's, he's looking to God, saying, God, ever since I've done what you said to do, you've not, nothing, ha, nothing good has happened in their lives. Now look, can we just, I don't want this to be despondent. Can we remember there is a chapter 6? Look at verse number one of chapter six. Then the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. Hey, look, look, look back up here. Praise God it ends well. Praise God he delivers his people. Praise God that he works. But we need to make sure that we don't rush to chapter six and miss the benefit of these lessons because in the process of following God in our lives, it's not always going to feel good. And when following God doesn't feel good, we can, we can start blaming the wrong people or we can lose hope that the right that we're trying to do is making any difference anywhere in anyone's life and that every effort we're making is completely pointless. And so here's the danger for the children of Israel. They were in danger. And I'm, and I'm including Moses and Aaron in this. All of them. They were in danger of this. Of letting the hardship of following God rob them of the hope of following God. They were in danger of it in chapter 5. You know what the children of Israel as a group were saying to Moses and Aaron? We're tired of you. You're just making it worse. You know what Moses was saying to God? There's no point in me being here because nothing good is happening in the lives of these people. And as is so often the case in the lives of God's people, God's work does, isn't just automatically making things better in a moment, but there is a process in our lives. And they were in danger of letting the hardship of, please hear it, letting the hardship of those moments. Did you hear that word, moments? Because those moments were not, the defiant, not everything about their lives. They were in danger of letting the hardship of their moments rob them of the hope of following God for the rest of their lives. So here's the question. What is the hope? What is the hope? We already read it in verse number one. Are you ready? That God is going to work. Um, his work for them was to bring them out, to prepare them, and then to give them the promised land. I I don't know everything that God wants to do in every individual's life. That's not my job. It's not my responsibility. It's not, it's not my privilege to know everything. But this is what I do in, in a very general sense. I believe this. I don't, I don't just believe in a God who is generic. I believe in a personal creator who is a personal savior, who is a personal father, who is a personal friend, who is a personal lover of your life and soul. I believe in him as a personal God. And when I call on my heavenly father, he is paying attention to me. And when you you call on him. He is paying attention to you. And if he knows the grain on the seashore, if he knows the stars in heaven, if he knows every bird that falls, he knows every detail of your life, every fear that you have, every failure and heartache that you've experienced. And through all of that, that personal God has a very real purpose for your life. If you're living, he has purpose. I like it. I know I talk about that. It seems like a lot sometimes, but so many people are despondent, and I think one of the biggest reasons God's people increasingly become susceptible to depression and to giving up and to losing focus is because we forget that there is a personal God who has a personal purpose for our lives. Love it. And so you know what he's going to do? He's going to work. Here's the challenge of that. He's not going to work when you want him to. 
Let's be honest. If God asked me, I skipped the chapter fives of my life. Can I just be honest? Well, you're not very spiritual. Never claim to be. Look, we had a question and answer time several years ago. Not one time did anybody ask me, how spiritual are you? <laughs> you asked me some things. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to keep it light a little bit. Relax. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I, would, I would choose to skip the chapter five. Be real. If there are things that you could have avoided and skipped in your life, if it were left up to you, you would have never tasted them. You would have never been in the hospital. You would have never been at the cemetery. You would have never been at the lawyer's office. You would have never been in that late night fight. You would have never been sitting in an office with a pastor or a counselor weeping. You would have never been on your knees breathless, unable to articulate prayer or articulate words to God, but crying out so desperately for his help. If you could have chosen, there are many moments that we would have avoided. Can I tell you that God hasn't forsaken us in those moments? They are a part of his process. Even when people do things that they should not do. That's the beauty of God. He's able to take them and work them for good in our own lives. But here's the danger. In moments when it's hard, you want to give up on a life of hope, of seeing God work. Please get this statement. You do not experience the fullness of what God can do if you refuse to follow him fully. Look, I want to experience it, and he's capable of giving it, but much of what God does in our lives in the present, I'm not talking about salvation, and we're not saved by works, saved by grace, and you're saved forever once you get saved, and you can get saved and throw your life away. You're still saved. Praise his name for it. No, but if you want to see God work, then you've got to submit to following God fully in your life. Well, God, I want you to work in my marriage. Well, then you have to be willing to be forgiving. Well, God, I want you to work in the lives of my kids. Well, you have to be willing to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, God, I want you to help me to recover from this rejection and these broken relationships and these regrets. I want you to help me recover from that. Then you're going to have to be willing to let go of some of those things and live in the present hope that he has given you. Well, I want God to use me in the life of this church, or I want, I want God to plant me and help me to be a part of something. You're going to have to be willing to be submitted, even when it's hard, and when, even when you don't understand every single thing that's going on. If you, you can't experience the fullness of what he can do in your life if you're not willing to follow him fully. So, s- statement, again, don't let the hardship of the moments rob you of the hope of following him for your life. Look, it is hard to follow God. Okay, man, I come on a Wednesday night and I want to be encouraged. I know. How many of you found it super easy to follow God? Raise your hand and say amen. Man, it's so easy. It's just, it's so popular. And it's even, I mean, mean, even in churches, man, it's always easy to follow God. No, it's not, is it? At least two of you are being honest right now. It's not easy to follow God when your child's sick. It's not easy to follow God when you're praying in your bed alone. It's not not easy to follow God when you've lost your job and you don't know what you're going to do. 
it's not easy to follow God when you failed. And you have to look people in the face and ask them to forgive you. It's not easy to follow God when, you, when, you're, when you've let resentment set in. And you know that what was done to you is hurtful, but you're letting it consume you in a way you know you shouldn't. It's not easy to follow God. Come on, I know I'm speaking the truth. Please not. I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn anybody here. I just, can we just admit tonight as brothers and sisters, it is not always easy to follow him. It doesn't feel good. It's hard. And in, 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 in the process of following him, sometimes it seems like things only get worse. No, no, I'm fine. I'm going to work on this, or I'm going to improve this, or I'm going to surrender in this area. And yet it just seems, why does it seem like this is getting harder instead of getting easier? And the danger is this, you start blaming the wrong people. I can't speak for, listen, I've got, I, I, hate, I hate that this is so. There, there are churches where the leadership takes advantage of and harms and manipulates people. And you say, well, what are you talking about? I've got, two, I, I've got one situation that's very personal to me that has, that has broken my heart that, that just happened in the last five days. I read about another one in the news. And there are, there are pastors in position of power all over this country, in this world, who use this for their own gain. I understand that that happens. But can I tell you this by the grace of God? I am not trying to make your life miserable. Look, I'm not saying I'm not susceptible. I, I try to have accountability set up in my life, both with my conduct and my attitude, to protect me and to protect my wife and my children and to protect our church family. Because I know that every sin that's ever been committed, I am capable of committing. I don't, I don't want to go down those roads. But can I tell you that when I am preaching the word of God or I am trying to lead this church, it is not with the intention of making your life miserable. But here's the reality. You follow Jesus Christ and you're going to face hardship. You know what happens? Things get hard. You start hurting. Like, man, this was preached or this was counseled or whatever it is. Man, I gotta, I'm hurting. I don't want to hurt. I'm going to, well, Pastor, Pastor Piles, you did this. Look, I'm not, I'm not asking for sympathy. That's not the point. You just got to understand sometimes you can blame the wrong person. No, look at me, people that have been hurt. Look at me. You can't control every bad thing that was done to you. And here's one of Satan's favorite tricks, and it manifests itself in the way people groom. Is that things can be done to you or things can happen in your life, and then the perpetrator of the crime can then convince the victim that it's their fault. Brothers and sisters, don't you dare live your life blaming yourself for decisions that you did not make. No, look, it doesn't make it easier. It doesn't remove the consequences of those decisions that they made. But you need to get out from underneath the weight and the shadow of what someone else has done as though you are to blame for it. You know who's to blame for a father not being at home with his children? The father. You know who's to blame for a pastor being immoral or unethical? It's not a teenager or some other adult. It's the pastor. You know who's to blame for someone getting an attitude and instead of dealing with it the right way, throwing a fit and leaving? It's not the pastor's fault. It's not the church's leadership's fault. It's that individual's fault. You've got to stop blaming everybody else for what's going on in your life and take ownership for what you're doing and how you're doing it. By the way, by the way, parents, free advice. Don't let your kids live their lives blaming everybody else for why they're not obeying. 
Look, I know we're in a church, but this happens a lot in churches. Noah's the youth team. Look, no youth team is perfect. Noah's the Sunday school teacher. No Sunday school teacher is perfect. But your children need to know how to take responsibility for their conduct. Don't blame other people's kids. Teach your children to do right before God, regardless of what everybody else is doing. Don't blame the wrong people. Whether it's someone else or yourself, don't blame the wrong people. Number two, don't become hopeless. Look, I, I'm, I'm not writing a blank check on God's behalf. I'm not. I, I try to be so careful that I don't make promises that God's word doesn't make. But this is a promise that his word, his word does make. That he who started a good work in you, please hear me, he'll be faithful to complete it. And if you're 67, if you're 85, if you're 22, whatever you are, God's working in your life. And the danger is that you will give up hope for that work because of moments when you feel hopeless. Look, you may not be able to change the fact that in that moment you feel hopeless. Just don't make decisions about God's work in your life in that moment. You say, well, what do I do? Wake up tomorrow and do what you know you're supposed to do. Hey, can I tell you what you're supposed to do tomorrow? You're supposed to walk with God. If you're retired, you're supposed to honor God with your retirement. Play golf. Go fish. Run some errands for a neighbor that needs help. Find one of these sweet widow ladies and be a blessing to them. That's all biblical. Hey, it might be a good idea to open up the Bible at some point and say, God, what do you have to say to me today? You know what I'm amazed? The most hopeless and frustrated people are often the people who are doing so little to actually find out what God has to say about their lives. And just once or twice a week is not enough. No, look, I want, I want you to hear from God when you're here. We're not having church just to have church. I ask God to, to forgive me and to help me never to look at any service as a throwaway service. They, can't, they may not all be home runs, but I want people to leave knowing God talked to them. No, but you need God to talk to you every day. Talk to him a little bit. Walk with him. Have some time with them. You should have a good attitude tomorrow. Doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. Have a good attitude. Bitterness has no place in the life of a child of God. I can tell you what you should be doing on Sunday. You should be with the assembly of God's people. Yes. <laughs> you say, I feel pretty hopeless right now. I, I don't know when that's going to change. Just do what you know you're supposed to do right now. Don't question in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Please, God's people. Don't let the hardship of following God in moments rob you of the hope of God working over the course of your entire life. There's too much to lose. So much that can be gained. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Can you be honest? Can you please continue to be honest? Watching at home, sitting here in the room tonight, can you be honest? I wonder if there would be any of God's people that would raise their hand and say, not not has been, but right now. Right now, as I sit here under the sound of this voice and this message, right now, I am experiencing resistance and adversity and hardship. I'm trying to follow God, but I'm struggling. It's hard. I'm hurting, and I might be hurting because of something that I've done. I might be hurting because of some things that other people have done, but I am uncertain of the direction to go. I am uncertain of the outcome. I am burdened. I am hurting. I am weary. But following God right now is hard. I wonder if there'd be anyone that would raise their hand and say, man, I'm just, I'm feeling it tonight. Yep, I see him going up. Yep, I see him going up all over. God bless you for your honesty. 
It may be tonight that you're blaming the wrong people. And that doesn't mean there's never anyone to blame. It just means that you might be attaching too much blame to the wrong person. And maybe tonight that person is yourself. Maybe tonight some of you just need to come to the altar and say, God, I am holding on to regret that is not of my making. And God, I need you to help me to live in the freedom of your grace and your restorative power. Maybe tonight you're in danger of losing hope. Because it's hard right now means that nothing good can come in my life. And you're in danger of giving up. Don't let the hardship of following God rob you of the hope that only comes from following God. I love you. I love you. And I, I trust that you'll respond to the Lord. Let's all stand together. Brother Adam, would you go ahead and start singing? If God has spoken to your heart, then you give him the courtesy of a response. Don't wait. Don't look around. Respond to the Lord right now.